It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What do you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection 590,000 deaths later, we had a lot to worry about. Now, you and I were surprised by this, but Anthony Fauci shouldn't have been. He knew people of the Wuhan virus. He knows people all around the globe who study this for a living. We don't know what the heck they're talking about. SARS this, MERS this. Oh, it doesn't usually be a problem. It's not usually a problem here. He hops on the Cats Roundtable, John Cassimatidis, who owns our great affiliate WABC, now, and, and they have this, uh, this conversation, and he lets everybody know there's nothing to worry about. Could he be any more wrong? And does he ever acknowledge how wrong he was? Never. That's part of the reason I believed while Dr. Nicole Sapphire wrote her brand new book, you know her as a Fox News medical contributor. Maybe she's your doctor. She's also the author of this book. It's called Panic Attack, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. Dr. Sapphire, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on the book. It's out today. Thank you so much, Brian. Happy to be on. Hey, uh, so I thought that would be the perfect setup. That's the beginning of us (laughs) trusting science and being totally let down. Can you bring us back to January of 2020 when that was recorded? Well, yeah. You know, Brian, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You said a lot of us were surprised, even myself being a physician. But the the one person who's pretty much tasked with um, being able to determine whether or not something is going to be an emergency or not uh, also had it wrong. And so – you know, you take, go back to January, and there wasn't a lot of information coming out. There was a lot of whisperings going on. You had whistleblower accounts out of China. You also had Taiwan and Singapore and some other smaller nearby areas sounding the alarms. But yet it seemed that Dr. Fauci and really the rest of the world were listening to what was coming from China, which now we know is obviously less than forthcoming information. So that put us on our heels, and he mentioned there's a case in Washington, and we were able to handle that, but we weren't. It was beginning to spread, and you have since told me part of the reason was we didn't know this thing called asystematic spread, which means I could have it, I could feel great, but I could also, I could feel great, have it, be spreading it unknowingly. And that's indeed what was happening because China never let us know the nature of this virus. Well, Brian, what I find to be appalling is the fact that China and the World Health Organization, who was just echoing what was coming out of China, was continuously saying there was no sustained human-to-human transmission, meaning, yes, there were clustered cases, but the cases weren't out of control. They were confined to local spread. And so the fact that they were not raising the alarm by saying that there was sustained transmission told people that maybe this isn't going to be that contagious. So, yes, if you find one case, it's not going to be a big deal. But as we have come to now see, everyone infected with SARS-CoV-2 did not display symptoms. So, no, if you just have people doing temperature checks at the airport, that's going to miss like 50 percent of the cases, even more than that. Because even the people who get sick, there's the prodrome period where they have no symptoms. So, yes, there was a failure 
of screening initially. There was a failure in our ability to control it. But again, this all points back to the fact that, yes, there was bad information coming out of China or just no information coming out, but that our experts, our people who are tasked with looking at the information did not warn us. They did not realize. And if they did did realize, they didn't let us know. So is that why you put the book together? You could always write a medical book and give a perspective on a certain disease or experience or write about health care reform or Obamacare. But there was something about politics that mixed with medicine that really struck you. In what way? Listen, Brian, any physician can write about, any wellness expert can write about diseases and how to keep your body physically the best um, in strongest shape. But for me, what I saw occur over the last year and a half now was the, uh, the, you know, not only did it result in a failure of government, much of which is unavoid- unavoidable in such unique disaster scenarios, but the rampant politicization of science from the origin to the simple com- concept of just face masks and lockdowns just completely divided the country. And it created an entire pandemic in itself of fear and hysteria, a lot of which didn't need to happen. And then you had even more division in the country because people started weaponizing science and cherry-picking the data to fit their narratives. So, yeah, it was – It was the whole thing was uh, – to me, I've been a series of letdowns. Number one, first the restrictions came in. The president of the United States gets up there and says, you know – uh, 30 days to slow the spread, 15 days to slow the spread. I don't even remember what day it was. So all of a sudden, we find ourselves in satellite studios. You, you, of course, out of your house. I was in a studio by my house. We're all separated. That's a responsible thing to do. The city becomes a ghost town. Every city does. So he said, all right, two weeks. What's the big deal? And then we see these different governors. Governors, Some governors in Florida saying, go go back. All right, we're ready to go back. Governor of New York says, not close. You're not going to do anything like that. We're gonna, I'm going to be in control here. I will decide everything. And the same thing with, with uh, the governor of Illinois. The same thing with the governor of, uh, of California. Totally different in Texas. When did you realize that politics is getting in the way of science? Was that after the lockdown? Did it really strike you? Uh, Of course. I mean, first of all, the two weeks to slow the spread, I think that everyone, for the majority of the part, was on with that because there was a crisis at hand. And unfortunately, our inability to test for this virus really cut us off at the knees. And as hospitals were overflowing in the New York area, we were in in a time of crisis. So two weeks to slow the spread made sense. But unfortunately, it wasn't necessarily implemented correctly in the sense that you had people traveling all across the country. You had people now congregating indoors together, which spread the virus even more. And then the inability to remove restrictions when hospitalizations, cases, and deaths all started going down that summer proved that if you are not able to remove restrictions as things get better, people are going to start distrusting them. Thank and then you, you started seeing yeah. Mayor de Blasio out painting Black Lives Matter with the protesters in front of Trump Towers, yet he had the playgrounds with chain, chain links around that so children couldn't go out and play. And so you started to see hypocrisy happening. Yes, you can't do this, but you can do this because it's part of the social justice campaigns. And when you start doing that and you really fit uh, safety and science to fit narratives, you're going to see rebellion, and that's what occurred. Yeah, I mean, if, for example, if there's civil unrest, people, there's a curfew, you go by the curfew until the civil unrest has subsided. I remember dating back to 93 when I was in California. All right, fine. And then when you decide that, you know, if you have cancer, these are the things you do to treat the cancer. That's what you do. You're not happy about it, but you get a doctor, you follow the orders. 
But all of a sudden, if you see other people with the same cancer as you doing something entirely different and living a much more fulfilled life, you go, wait a second, why are they doing this? I thought you told me to do that. And then you find out that maybe that doctor gets an incentive from the cancer center you send me to. Then I lose all trust in the medical profession. That's the analogy I use. But one that's more apropos for the pandemic is masks. In the beginning, we were told one thing, and then they flip-flop all over the place up until they told us to take it off last week. Listen. You can increase your risk of getting it by wearing a mask if you are not a healthcare provider. I believe there will be some very serious consideration about more broadening this recommendation of using masks. We're not there yet. World Health Organization and the CDC have reaffirmed is that they do not recommend the general public wear masks. You don't want to take masks away from the health care yeah. providers. But don't get a false sense of security that that mask is protecting you exclusively from getting infected. A face barrier can actually interrupt the number of virus particles that can go from one person to the other. And they now suggest that the general public consider wearing masks when they're going out in public. Although there appear to be some contradiction of you were saying this then and why you're saying this now, actually the circumstances have changed. So, I mean, I get angry just hearing that. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Nicole Sapphire, our guest, her book out, Panic Attack Today, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. And I'm telling you right now, people are listening to us and they're squeezing their steering wheel because of the mixed messages and how their life has been altered. Well, Brian, I have to be honest. I break the mask debate down to the most minutia of the data and science. So if anybody has, wants the answers on mask debate, it's in the book. Good. But here's the thing. Just as when we had Dr. Fauci, CDC, WHO saying nobody should be wearing masks in the general public, you go from that to saying everyone needs to be wearing a mask at all times, whether you're indoors, outdoors, whether you're distancing, whether you're not. I mean, it, that was beyond ridiculous. And they're still doing that. Now, Brian, there has been a role. Masks have played a certain role when it comes to this pandemic, but not as big of a role as you'd like to think. Certainly not when you're outdoors walking, should you be wearing a mask or even outdoors dining or just in a group? Because as we know, less than 0.1% of transmission of this virus likely occurred outdoors. Yet the CDC still won't say that children can take off their mask outdoors. That is the most preposterous anti-science recommendations that are still occurring. And this is what I'm talking about. They put forth these recommendations, these restrictions, and they're having a very difficult time rolling them back. And I don't understand why, because we have ample data showing that they're wrong. I, I feel like you're exasperated, Dr. Sapphire, by your by your industry, by your by your I feel like you're like you I you feel I even though you're the expert, I feel you at your frustration, too, through this book. Am I right? Oh, I mean. Of course, and that's why I had to write it, because I feel like I have walked on this tightrope for the last year that if I truly do my own research, sifting through the data, come up with my own conclusions, I have to be careful because a lot of my conclusions go against the grain. They go against what popular opinion said. Just like last summer when I said, hey, you know what, an accidental lab leak, that's a very plausible occurrence, given the information that we have out of Wuhan and knowing the, the research that was done. I was criticized by the media. The fact that I continue to say I do not believe children should be, young children should be in face masks, whether they're outdoors. I actually think face masks need to be taken off indoors, too. And I have the data to back that up. And so and I also get criticized when I say, hey, 
Why is no one acknowledging natural immunity? Just because you said you acknowledge the reality that natural immunity helps to get to herd immunity, that doesn't make you anti-vax. That just means you re- look at the science. And you're referring, of course, to Rand Paul getting criticized because he says, I have the antibodies. I'm not getting vaccinated. Exactly. So I sent a tweet about that. I said, Rand Paul saying that doesn't mean he's anti-vax. It just means that he's actually reading the science. And of course, I get criticized for that. How could you do that? You're a doctor. You have to promote the vaccine. I'm like, of course, anyone who's watched me the last six months, I have encouraged anyone and everyone to get the vaccine that wants it. But just because I also acknowledge natural immunity doesn't make me anti-vax. I want you to hear what Dr. Scott Atlas said last night to Laura, cut 14. I actually think it's, uh, I'm not sure it's irreversible, but there's been serious damage done, not just to the politicization of science that we have all seen during this pandemic, but the, the credibility of experts, the seeking out of the truth, and now what seems to be uh, really corruption, uh, if not financial, at least in a moral sense, at the leadership of our, were the gems of the United States, the research and the science agencies were, like I said, the envy of the world. So I think there's some serious uh, damage here. These people are not just incompetent. It's worse than that. So that's the sense that maybe they might even be corrupt. Well, there's certainly no incompetence when it comes to Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and many of these other leaders. What else is influencing their decisions and their inability to admit when they're wrong? You know, I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, I, I think that one of Dr. Fauci's biggest errors right now is that he has continuously um, been unable to say, I was wrong. And this is why he continues to put it on. Well, I wasn't I didn't think that you could handle what I was ready to say. And he said that in terms of face masks, in terms of herd immunity. And unfortunately, when you have uh, billions of dollars being given to the medical and academic and scientific industry by the government, you're going to have Mm -hmm. some integration of politics and science. And that is going to be the downfall of science. You talked about the inability of Mitty's wrong. You want more proof as if the mask wasn't enough? Listen to Dr. Fauci. Are you still confident that it developed naturally? No, actually, no, I'm not convinced. Uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out to the best of our ability exactly what happened. But what did he say first? The mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. Okay. Well, so, you know, Brian, what's interesting? So in for my book, I really broke down the sequence. I called every virologist I knew, and I talked about those mutations that were specific to SARS-CoV-2. And yes, while they can occur in nature, they were also being performed in research being done at the Wuhan lab, as well as other labs throughout the world. And so, again, just because there's a suspicion there, it doesn't mean that it's proof. But for him to say that this is absolutely 100% is only can occur in nature, He knows that's not true. He knows that's not true. But I think, you know, maybe he just wanted to prevent any sort of conspiracy theories. But again, conspiracy theories aside, you can't neglect reality. Listen, you're a lot more patient with him than I am. I have no respect for him. He has misled and hurt this country intentionally or not more than uh, more than you than than he'll ever understand. But your book is helping. Please pick it up. It's called Panic Attack, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. And when's the special, Dr. Sapphire? 
The special is going to be, we haven't actually formally announced it, but here it is. But the special will be airing on Fox Nation next Tuesday and on Fox News Channel the following Sunday. Nice. Doc Sapphire, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.